Nick, Jeff. it's it, it is the season of it being cold outside and whatnot here, uh, and. And generally speaking, is the season where there's lights on things. And lights on things, especially here around my house, mean lights on house. And lights on house mean I do most risky thing. I'm pretty sure I do at any point. Uh, I just briefly want to, like, toss this out here. A lot of times it gets tossed out, the fact that, like, driving is the most dangerous thing we do on a daily basis. And that's sure. That's fine. That's true on a daily basis, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, Nick... I literally, I can't get the thought, and and maybe this just speaks to the sort of anxious person that I I typically am, but when I, so we, I I did the, I put the lights on the house this weekend, and I cannot. Going on this, the the roof to put on lights is not safe. I I don't go on the roof. I have gone a little bit down the road of craziness, like a little bit, like. I've done various ridiculous things. Nick, one thing I've done before is have very bad ladder that is not high enough to go to tall part of roof. So I back my truck up and use the bed of my truck to put bad ladder on to climb up very high to put lights on this and such. exactly is, the safe way to do it. I, <laughs> it, it is It is what they t- teach you to do in home ec or whatever class it is in high school. That you I will tell you, I, wor- I worked in a warehouse and they, they would, my, all of my warehouse managers would absolutely do that. They would probably tell you not to or whatever, I guess, sometime, but absolutely every one of them would do it. And I mean, that's, that's as much of a <laughs> as an endorsement as you sure. can. Sure. Well, I appreciate that. Um... But no, so recently, uh, well, not recently, last year, I bought very, very big ladder. Still not quite big enough to uh, get to, like, the highest peak where I put the the Christmas lights on. Mm-hmm. And Nick, uh, so I still do the back of my truck up and use it uh, to put the ladder on. It's just slightly safer ladder nowadays. Okay. But, like, when, you, when I'm up there, like, legitimately, there is a 100, like, over the big part of the thing that's over my driveway – a 100% chance that I would die if I fell. <laughs> like, I don't really, it's not very often that I like do a thing where like, if I sneeze real, real bad. Right now, I think about that. Like, I don't, I think about that. Like whenever I'm doing anything, that's just like a little bit sketchy. I'm always like, my body's not cooperative enough. Like I, I sneeze aggressively too often in my life to do this. The sneeze is a great example. Like, I, I watch your crazy little downhill biking things, and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. That's way too risky. But then here I am, like, climbing up on this ladder. If Jen wants me to get up on top of a, a roof to put on lights, I'm going to be like, oh, that's a bad idea. You, this is how I die. How I die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to the year we started a podcast. It's a podcast born Phoenix-like from the ashes of the prior year's podcast. I am your co-host, Jeff. And I'm your other co-host, Nick. And Nicholas, this is our podcast. Uh, if you're not aware, Nick, we are a couple of friends, half a continent apart that would like to come together. I was like going to say, is, to this, this, is, this, is the intro for me? Like, I, that, seems off, that seems off. Like Nick, we're, Nick, today we're going to be talking about some of the things that come together. Uh, wait, nope. We're going to come together and talk about some of the things that are fun and interesting to you and I, Nick. I have had literally, literally bef- from before we even had a podcast an idea that I want to talk about on the podcast, which I have had on our agenda to talk about. Nick, 
Oh, yeah, that's have, fair. Have I ever actually, actually talked about Amazon reviews ever? I don't know this is a fact. Um, uh, I don't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How am I supposed to do this podcast if I can't trust you? Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me a little bit more about what you're trying to get into here. Because we can cut this all if we need so, to. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, to I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to dig into into the memory there's, bank. There's Amazon reviews that are funny. And I've had this, like, starred as a thing to talk about for a long time. Are you aware of funny Amazon reviews? Not, not really. I don't I think, think so. Nick, I think we're safe. And I'm just going to do it. And worst case, I'll tell you that we need to record a new intro topic after <laughs> I realize that we've done this. Nick, okay. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Here's the game I want to play, okay? Okay. Uh, a thing that I have been aware of for a very long time is that sometimes the reviews on Amazon is really funny. And I like them a lot. And... Uh, these are some that are really funny that have been on the internet, and also there's other ones that I don't really want to read because they're not exactly appropriate, but they're pretty <laughs> hilarious. But um, all right, Nick, I want to read to you some Amazon reviews of some different products, and I'm I, I might skip some of the words in here so I don't give it away entirely. I think I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I think I have five or six um, that I want you to guess. Given the description in the review, uh, what it is. Okay? Fair okay. enough? Yeah, okay. So the, 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 There's just one problem. I am pretty sure we've played this game before. Have we? No, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> sure. Okay, well, Nick. We'll, keep, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. We'll just do uh, it. We'll just do it live. How can you do this to me? I. We have, not, we have not played this game before. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I believe okay. you. Okay. I believe me too. And we're going to pretend as if we haven't. <clears throat> okay. Can you replace the spray when you run out? If you run out of blank, you need to move to a different neighborhood. What is this? Um, this is bear spray? Bear spray. It's not bear spray. It's pepper spray. <laughs> I pepper am spray. doubting <laughs> myself ever so slightly. <laughs> Maybe I, we have done this before. Well, I haven't done that one before because that doesn't remind me of anything. Pe the pepper spray uh, comment doesn't, okay. it doesn't remind me. But I will say... Pepper spray is a good answer. Bear spray is a funner answer, actually. I do, like, I do feel like bear spray is a better answer. I feel yes, like I was close, that is, and also I like invented a better scenario, so I, I win. I, I win round one. <laughs> I am the winner. What okay. is my prize, Jeff? If, if we've played this one before, uh, it, like, it, it will be 100% because you get this correct that I just stopped this thing entirely. Okay. Okay. Um, the, the title of the review is Too Much Pain. The description is, causes too much pain and agony. I don't know why it's so popular nowadays. I'm just going to use toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff, I'm not, Jeff, I don't know the answer to this one. This one makes me uncomfortable a little bit, to be honest <laughs> Good. with you, Jeff. It should. It well should. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, I really don't know. Uh, I got nothing, and I feel like anything I say will be inappropriate. So. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like a little the, the toilet brush thing that you're like cleaning toilet with. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm just gonna stick with toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Next one. I ordered this when I was drunk because I thought it was a giant ice cream sandwich. <laughs> what looks like a giant ice cream sandwich? <laughs> And where can I get one? Really? I have no answer. I have no answer for this either. Okay, I'm going. To, I'll, I'll send this one to you on the Discord, and you can tell us what it is. Hold on, just a second. <laughs> it's a mattress. 
It's a giant inflatable mattress. <laughs> it is. It is. It, to be fair, the thumbnail, I like you if you hadn't told me, that thumbnail would have been like, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's cream sandwich. <laughs> okay, Nick. Okay, last last one of this game. Now last one of this game. We took this blank to the beach, and after close to two hours to pump it up, we pushed it around for what ended up being 10 minutes of fun-filled bliss. That was when the wind picked up and it sent it hurtling down the beach at about 40 knots. It destroyed everything in its path. Children screamed in terror at the giant blank, 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 blank that crushed their sandcastles. Grown men were knocked down trying to save their families. The faster we chase it, the faster blank, 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 blank. Uh, it felt like it was mocking us. Eventually, we had to stop running after it because the path of injury and destruction was going to cost us a fortune in legal fees. Rumor has it that it still is seen stalking innocent families on the Florida panhandle. We lost it in South Carolina. There is something to be said about its durability. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> you said this was inflatable? I Yes, I might have given it away slightly. <laughs> I, don't, a little I bit. don't know what it is. So, okay, this is, uh, this is not like what I think it is, but it... Um, when, when I was young, I, I had, we had a trampoline that got blown away in like a uh, like a not a windstorm, but you know, like in heavy winds, and we went at the top of a hill, and it went downhill. <laughs> yes, people ran out of the way, and like right, watching the trampoline roll on its side down a hill, like it's a dangerous oh thing. Gosh. And that's all I can picture is like a trampoline got like just. Just wreaking havoc on a, a uh, on a beach, but um, I I I can't think of anything. I've I've got to guess that it's like uh, that it's like an inflatable, inflatable like bounce castle or something. Maybe I don't know. I've sent you the thing. <laughs> Is it just a giant beach ball? <laughs> it's like a two times bigger than a human like size beach ball. Foot, yeah. I think it's 10 foot. It beats all. This is fantastic. I want to see this happen. And for our listeners, it's like those, it's like the bright yellow, bright blue, bright red. Like it's so, it's so like innocuous and like, it's so childish. And yeah. <laughs> The title of the review is a fun way to ruin a weekend and blow a hundred dollars. <laughs> I love it. I, I respect so that. Much. Anyways, Nick, there's a bunch of like stupid, really funny Amazon reviews. Uh, these are just a handful of them. It was on my list of things to do at some point. I don't apparently know 100% that we haven't done it before, but I just I wanted to for sure get it finally as a thing that we've done like on, on the list. For sure, a thing that is in the records yeah, of Tywisep history. So, Nick, tell yeah. me... Tell me, tell me what you got. So we've talked a ton about marketing stuff. Jeff, do you click through marketing emails? Like when Target or, you know, freaking Nike sends you an email that says, hey, Nike, we're Nike and we have new sh- new clothes because because we're Nike and that's what we do is we always make new clothes. Do you click through promotional emails, marketing emails? Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Yeah. I... I... I barely read text messages. I leave like I have like you remember like I have Nick, there was like a time where I was like, hey, I'm going to try to be reformed and like read my text messages. I have 270 unread text messages currently. No, I do, I do not read about Nike's new shoes. Yeah, they're new good kicks for my feet. New, I do not new good kicks. I want you to know that uh, since uh, today is uh, as we are recording this. Uh, it is the 15th, and I have 50 unread 
messages in my promotions uh, folder of my on my email uh, that have been delivered to me since November 11th. I am not going to go to the second page. That is a... I'm not sure that Gmail actually works for me on the I second page. I haven't even opened my email since November 11th of last year. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, like, Jeff, I get 50 emails in five days, so I get five at least 10 a day, right? Okay, or like in that okay, 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 okay. Hold on. Before we continue but, this conversation, I, I need... But 10 I, okay. a day that are okay, simply fine. promotional that I do not click at at all. Okay, but this is the thing. Email marketing is very effective. I did not know this. I was like <laughs> Googling this with a friend. I was talking about this, some of this stuff with, with a friend. But like, uh, I'm sorry, I should have these numbers up. It is me, it is effective. Like I, as a person who literally does this sort of thing, that, like tangentially for a living, I do agree. I just, yeah. for, for me specifically, it's not because email may as well not exist. But yeah, it, for most humans, yes, I agree. Jeff? Freaking email marketing promises uh, a forty-two dollar ROI for every dollar you spend, as uh, according to Forbes. Uh, Forbes, freaking companies say that uh, what is it? Sixty-six percent of businesses surveyed say they use email marketing still, and uh, of those surveyed, seventy-nine percent said it's important or very important, and that sixty percent say that it's effective or very effective. What the hell? Who, how are people making money on this? I like, I, and uh, the, I read an article from Forbes and I read some other, uh, two, like two other articles. I'm not, I, I didn't do massive uh, stuff. I just, I'm confused that this is an effective uh, strategy because people even say that like open rates are very low uh, or I, they don't say very low. I interpret it as very low because they say between 11% and 50%. Who gets 50% of their email, their email like freaking spam opened and also, they say that like the click through rates are between zero and ten percent, and I mean it, the 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 platitudes that you that you read in these are um, you know that's that's kind of rude to say, but you know the platitudes that you read in these are that you want to make things that are personal email. It's like I couldn't tell you if Fox Racing or Nike or Microsoft Store has a very personal email in here because. Why would I ever, even if I opened it, I would just open it to go to the bottom so I could unsubscribe. Like, there's, a, there's not much they could do. There's no way they could be personal with me. They only know my name. Well, they, they know a lot about me. That's not fair. <laughs> but, but I'm very confused what, like, strategy works better. Or am I just cynical? Maybe, maybe I'm just cynical. Okay. I, is, so, from, so, so here's some behind the are scenes. We, are we the wrong demographic? Am I the wrong demographic? Um, Probably. But also, I don't know, kind of not. Okay, so first off, uh, an open rate of 50%. Uh, you said insane. That is buck wild not true. <laughs> like, I, I just, <laughs> I literally cannot accept that at all. Like, that. That is not a number that is real. Um, and then a click-through rate of 0 to 10 or something like that. Was yep. that what that was? Yep. That, um, I would say, like, 0 to 3% is more realistic. Uh, but, I mean... I, I didn't know... Do you work... Do you, I, I, I suppose you, you must, right? You, you, have, you work with people who do email marketing and stuff, and you do analytics for that? Yeah, yeah. Like we we provide lists and then follow up on ROI and stuff like that. So totally. pretty pretty in tune with this uh, as far as it goes, as far as my industry uh, goes. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, the thing that makes it profitable, you know, these percentages and ratios aside, it's not expensive to send an email, sure. and so if point one percent of your people buy whatever it is you're selling. 
then you know if you have enough people on the list that you're sending it to then it totally makes sense and so law of large numbers if if you have a lot of people that you can send a thing to yep. at very at pennies 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 on the dollar because like here's the thing like you still get tons of like paper spam too but paper spam is like 30 times or more like expensive Expe- yeah i, I can than, absolutely see than that. email spam and so even if it's 30 times worse you're still at a break even point you know and yeah, so you know it's, it's just a shotgun technique right it's just just shooting as many shots as you can exactly, possibly get yeah. yeah um i was more like are so you are you like me i don't know that i've ever even subconsciously been influenced by a marketing email because i don't even i don't even engage with the idea of it uh although i i actually let me tell you that this this process right here as i scroll down under this I will tell you a local burger place just uh, sent me one and the ti- the title says uh so and so new new knockout burger and I'm like wait I love this burger joint like I <laughs> I apparently I am in Okay damn it I'm okay. weak I'm weak Jeff Okay Nicholas um I would like to talk to you about a thing I know a little bit about this time where I didn't actually have to google everything that we're talking about Okay and I want to talk about databases a little bit, maybe a tiny, tiny bit about what they are, but then more interestingly, in my opinion, one of the companies that have taken over the industry and how they did it. And I think it's, I think it's cool. So to you, I mean, you're not, you you don't do database stuff for a living, but you do, you know, you do some but IT I, things I, I, a little yeah. bit. So and, what? And I kind of know my way around, uh, like, basic MySQL stuff or whatever. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. you, you, you. I was we'll just saying, so MySQL is a a flavor of, uh, you know, different, different softwares out there in the world that are, you know, database options. Um MySQL is really popular because it's free. There's uh, like well, SQL Server, which is really popular because it's Microsoft. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to the one I want to talk about, which I consider to be well. Actually, we don't. We don't. We, no. No spoilers. So. No spoilers. Um, so databases have been used for a, a really long time. Uh, definitely before even computer times. Not necessarily in the same sense, but. You know, there's there's always been things that have been lists or uh, or you know just comp like a, a compilation of data that's been kept record of. Honestly, that's what it comes down to. It's like keeping a record of stuff. So yeah. you know, you'd have you know even way back in the you'd have like shift or uh, you'd have like ship manifests like all the things. Here's all the things on the ship. Here's all the things that we've delivered. Here's what we got paid for them. And you keep track of that. I mean, accounting is a really good reason to have all this stuff. Like you, you always want to keep record of all the things that you sold and bought and all like your just where you are financially. Like that's always been a thing that like people have wanted to keep track of. Yep. And, and so it's not super surprising that when computers started to roll around, Storing that stuff on something that wasn't just, you know, paper and pen became really attractive. And we just basically took what our paper and pen versions of things were and converted that to a digital version. So 
before when we would want to keep track of our accounting records, we would take our accounting records and literally just type them into a computer, which was convenient because then you could print them off or you could edit them or you could, you know, later on add them together or whatever. Like it, it all had lots of benefits that were better than just the old paper versions, but more or less they were the exact copies of the paper versions just in digital form. Right. Which is, isn't bad. It's not, it's not to say that it wasn't useful, but it wasn't what we know today to be the benefits of databases. And the reason why, which there's, there's lots of reasons why I I should say, but one of the, one of the reasons why is at scale, that really, really gets challenging. As you might imagine, Nick, uh, yeah. big companies like Amazon or uh, honestly any any online retailer. They hold a lot of data. It's, it's, a, lot, it's, a lot of data. It's a lot of data. And at a scale that is like unfathomably large when you think of it, if you were like to have to like write it all out, like it's yep. literally not even possible. And then even if it was possible to write it all out, if you ever needed to go like say like, okay, <laughs> how, how many X have we sold? And you would have to like scroll through like – like 70 miles worth of paper stacked up to go figure out like how many of whatever. And, and so like imagine Amazon's freaking records, if it was all like in a hard copy, someplace, like freaking just the amount of stuff that (laughs) Amazon sells. I buy so much damn Amazon crap and there's 300, we've already talked about that, but 300 million Americans. Like I actually went kind of down that road for a little bit to like give a good word picture of like how, how huge the amount of data uh, like major companies would have or how much we have collectively as Americans or in the world or whatever. And I, it's really hard to get a sort of actual feel for that. The answer is unimaginably huge. Yes. It is unimaginably huge. The amount of data that we store. So this became quickly a point of great opportunity for, uh, the developing computer world. And we started to think of different ways that we could make this be more efficient and scale much, much better. So there were different ways that in the early 70s uh, that started getting tossed around. Uh, there was the hierarchical model uh, of databases. There's the network model of databases. More or less what that is is different pointers to different tables of data. It I, I don't really want to get into it because it's really hard to explain without visualization, but more or less it was kind of a, like a little bit better, but not honestly that much more inventive than just, you know, things that we would write down pointed with notation to go look at another thing that we had already written down. It was actually in the, the early seventies, like when those th- sort of things were starting to take off, that uh, an employee from IBM had a theory about relational databases, and I'm I'm curious as a person who's vaguely in the well, well not vaguely. I've only ever and I'm, I'm a total novice, but I've only ever done anything with relational databases. I've never done I've never done NoSQL. Okay. I've never done hierarchical or object oriented. Um, I, I don't know if there's any other ones besides that. Yeah, there there are, but like definitely relational databases are the norm, the, right? Yeah, like not again, not to spoil anything to go ahead, but I'm, I'm glad to know that as a person currently going through school, that that is a, a common thing that you're just really yeah. familiar with, even though you're not going for data science or whatever uh, as a degree. So, um, 
to explain what relational databases are, uh, like the concept, it is, if you have, like using our example of, let's just say you're like a retail store and you have a product that you're selling, you definitely want to have like a table where you have your product, all the things that are like that make up that product, maybe how much it sells for and how many you've sold it for, like as a thing that you would care about. But that gets really challenging if you change the product name or you change the different components of that product or you change the price of that product. And what became really, really clear was it would be a lot easier if we separated these different components out into different tables and then just related them together. So if you wanted to change the name of a product, you would only change it in one place. It would be the actual, like the normal product table. Like you would just change the name of the product and then all of the, the queries that would be pulling that in would then now pull in dynamically the new product name. Similarly, like if you changed what the components of a product were, you would just change that in the quote unquote product component table. And then dynamically, whatever queries you had would dynamically pull in. Like if you had like a inventory or a, uh, like something to schedule, like the manufacturing of, you know, 10,000 units of this product, it would dynamically pull in what you would need to order to be able to manufacture that. I don't know if that, like, in my head, that makes a lot of sense because like I literally live this world. Does that, yeah, no, I, th- I think you did a good job explaining it. Um, if, if it, like, doesn't, like, I, I have a hard time with uh, databases of trying to find specific real-world examples, but um, if you've ever worked with a, like, um, an inventory software for work, whether it's, like, at a corporate level or even, like, a retail level, and you've ever punched in a SKU for anything, I mean, the SKU is, like, is the key that, like, everything else could change. Like, I when I worked retail, we'd have products that, like, they would clear out the name to, like, some nonsense because they didn't want it to be searchable on the website. And even th- even then, you could still find that same product with the SKU if you knew the SKU or, if, you know, the SKU was saved somewhere. And that's a, that's a perfect example of, like, the SKU is how... Um, like held the table and everything else underneath it was just a part of the table and you could always relate back to that that skew um, and find all the other details you needed to know whether it was like the current sale price or the current like inventory level or whatever it may be and um, I, I, I think you did a good job um, it's it's so hard to explain like you, the way you explained it made perfect sense to me too and I was thinking the same question is like is that clear because you know like I had to take a, a SQL course or is that clear because <laughs> that was a really good explanation it seemed like a good explanation I think it, I think it was let me let me give like a really real world example. So uh, one time we wanted to change the product description of one of our uh, like, well, it was one of our checking accounts uh, that we offer. I work at a financial institution. Um, so we wanted to change the name of it from whatever, whatever, whatever checking to uh, whatever, whatever, whatever other checking. Like it, we just changed the name of it. That name was it like if you were to go on our website, if you were to go in your online banking, if you were to go on to like your printed off paper statements, um, hundred. If you were to go onto your like your checkbook, like that thing was everywhere. Like that thing propagated to a bazillion places. Uh, like like an, an, honestly, like an unimaginable number of places. The name of that product was on stuff and to change the name of that in reality was literally a single line of script to change one row in a database because everything referenced that single row in that database. So by making a single change to a single row in a database, 
we changed thousands and thousands of things <laughs> just being able like that that is the scale that a relational database has yes. everything is just a code that references that particular line in that table which then has that name and then we can reference that name to do all these things. So we just changed the name and then everything that referenced that code is now referencing that name and then you're good to go. Like for every, like literally like no work to change it in thousands and thousands of places. So that's, that's the idea behind a relational database. So, or Ted Codd was the guy who came up with that idea. He worked for IBM. IBM had their own thing that they were working on at the time. Um, they they were a little bit slow on the uptake on the idea of a relational database because of that, which introduced like an interesting gap in the market because they definitely like he and another coworker of his actually like really really were uh like trying to evangelize this idea like they really really believed in it and like would give talks and write papers and whatnot and it started to catch on there were a couple of companies that started to do it um there was a guy uh Larry Ellison uh he worked at a company like at a tech company briefly Eventually quit and started a a start a tech startup with him and a couple people that he had worked with at his previous company. It was called Software Development Laboratories. And this was kind of in this weird vacuum of there's a really great idea, but nobody's really doing a great job about it with uh, the relational database stuff. They originally did uh, like contract work for different companies. One of them was the one the, the company they had quit for, but ended up growing a lot bigger. And then they decided to stop all that and just start working on creating their own software to develop this idea of a relational database and sell it at scale. And turns out, Nick, it worked really, really well. The this this is the story. Uh, the the name Larry Ellison is not gone from the world. So I figured when you started the story, that, that do you do you know do you know Larry Ellison? Uh, is it, so I'm not Googling it. I, I, Cisco, right? Or is it Cisco or is it Oracle? It's Oracle. Oracle. I should know this. You, you knew that off the top. I'm yeah. super impressed. Yeah. 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 I, 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 uh, I'm terrible. Um, uh, I'll tell you later why I really should have done that. <laughs> but, I'll, but yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, this is not a, uh, this is not a piece where I say all kinds of nice things about Larry Ellison. <laughs> Uh, like this is not yeah i mean turns out uh very well again not to spoil anything very rich people uh very 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 rich people sometimes do kind of weird things and so i don't really want to get into that this is more of a technical deep dive but that doesn't sound like rich um but yeah okay well, well we'll get into this so they started working on Oracle 2, nick which you'll know is not a normal thing that you start working on they start no. working on Oracle 2 because that sounds a lot cooler than working on Oracle 1, and they figured people will give them more cred if they started working on some, a product with the version 2 as the tagline at the end of it. Um, this seems legit. Seems legit. So, yeah, they just started working on Oracle 2. Um, and they were right, honestly. Like, they, in the third year, the, we're talking 1982 money, uh, in the third year of starting this company uh, and starting to focus on uh, creating a, a relational database company, they they had sales of $2.5 million, which is $7 million in today's money. And they quickly 
identify. Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. They quickly identify the opportunity to uh, make this software work across all operating systems at the time. So, uh, which was that's no small feat back in the no, not at all in, in the eighties. So. They they quickly flew into the tens of millions and then hundreds of millions and then billions of dollars in uh, in revenue. They got helped greatly by the '90s, where the dot com boom was happening. Turns out, all these companies they needed databases behind them because that's how everything works. And so, especially when you're talking at scale, nobody did it better than Oracle back in the day. And so, they they exploded. And even you know. A lot of things happened with the dot-com boom. The The need for databases was not one of the things that went away. The successful companies were still around, and they still needed really, really robust, really, really scalable databases. And Oracle was absolutely the best. The reason, by the way, I just, as an aside, the reason why I had this on my list of things to, like, look up, like, the history of, this is, like, this is how... I got my start into data analytics was learning stuff on an Oracle database. It is, it is 100% still, in my opinion, the leading database provider of any sort of like, there are so many things like, and I'll, I'll give like, you know, Microsoft obviously is a huge company as well. And they have come, they have come enormously far in what they've been able to do as far as general, general application of database technology. Like they're, they're, they've come a long, long ways, but Oracle is still the absolute leader in like the jack of all trades as far as database stuff goes. But Nick, here's what gets interesting about Oracle. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not. Nope. I don't know much about the company at all. Okay. So, uh, that's not true. They, they have the, they have the Oracle arena in San in San Francisco. Bam. Yeah. That's where the Warriors play. That's, that's I know a lot, obviously. You're welcome. We'll we'll get to that slightly. I think maybe not directly, but we'll kind of get to that. So Mr. Ellison, he, uh, he decides, making millions and then billions on database software is super cool and all, but he's like super interested in buying like a bazillion things. And so he, he buys software companies at a pace that has been unmatched of all, like of all tech, like industry ever. Like interesting. The the number of things that Oracle has bought over the years is astronomically crazy. So in the early 2000s, Oracle bought PeopleSoft, which was uh, a huge company that had all kinds of different uh, different applications that they had developed. Uh, they got bought for $10 billion, which was, in Oof. the early aughts, just astronomically huge. Since then, Oracle has bought like over 50 or some odd uh, tech companies. They own all kinds of things. It's absolutely crazy. Um but it's hard hard to argue with success because their their revenue has gotten absolutely astronomically huge. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Larry Ellison is like when he retired back in uh, 2016 or 14, somewhere around there. Um, he re- from uh, being the CEO of Oracle, he was the fifth richest person in the world. And so obviously, you know, worked out. But yeah, like it is, it is absolutely, it, it is just a wild thing where a, a, a small group of people, him 
and a couple of people that he had worked with at his prior company recognized how important a relational database could be and bought all into it. He, it's, it's, it's a kind of, it's just a, it's the funny Silicon Valley sort of, uh, story where he invested this crazy sum of $2,000 himself to start that original company and eventually became the fifth richest person in the world. I, uh, that's 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 risk if I've ever heard it. I, I mean, you, you gotta you gotta be, you gotta become the fifth richest man of all time or in the world because because you put up the risk. You know what I mean? Like that's that's why they do it. Actually, his the amount that he contributed was twelve hundred dollars. Two thousand oh, was that was the combined of the three of them. Was, they were able to scrape too rich for his blood. That's too much risk, dude. You can't you can't risk that kind of stuff on a on a startup. Like I mean, come on. Okay, okay. The last thing I want to say is. The thing about Larry Ellison is he's a little bit more willing than most to show off his wealth. Uh, I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to make any commentary here. I haven't looked up any of the like actual things about him as a person too much. But I do know that he has uh, like a, a yacht racing team that he pays for and all kinds of things. But don't I we think- all? Don't, Don't <laughs> as you do when you're in that uh, <laughs> that level of wealth. But Nick, I will say, uh, you know, and like you mentioned, Oracle's the name on uh, the Warriors Stadium, right? I believe so. Yeah, the new one. I think yeah. they went from Chase to Oracle. Yeah, I I think. Oh, I'm sorry. I think they went. The, I think they went the other way around. I think they went from Oracle to Chase. I think it was Oracle. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think they for- left the Oracle Arena. Sorry, it's not really important. <laughs> but I need to keep my my cred because it was <laughs> you the do. nickname. The nickname <laughs> was Oracle, right? And so, like, and I know it's Oracle and Chase, and yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, I want to show. I okay. The reason why I say any of this is. I think they have some of the most beautiful buildings of any headquarters of any company ever. Let me <laughs> hold on. The database uh, stacks yeah, circles yeah. on top of each other. Yeah, they're that's kind of gorgeous. And I think they're really really cool. Yeah, <laughs> the the whole boss. Yeah, yeah, it's very very gorgeous. Oracle, crazy company. Something I use every day. Something that we all use every day, actually. And I think the the technology between relational databases is really, really interesting. And something that like we, that didn't really catch on nearly as quickly as you would think. The people that had uh, had come up with the concept worked at that's IBM, a, which didn't say. catch on for forever. Yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. Is I mean, it was at IBM, and also it was a. Uh, it, a relational databases conceptually were, uh, or at least were conceptualized back in like the seventies, right? Like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. It was it was the better part of like you know half a decade or a decade before, like it became clear that like this one hundred percent was how the world was going to operate, and then dot com boom, uh, like accentuated that to another degree entirely, but. Like yeah, it was it's it's a really interesting thing. I I enjoyed learning up on this a lot and like seeing the ramifications of like how all this played out in my day to day life. Like even like this all, it's interesting to read about, but also it's like the names and the things that like you read why things certain like why certain things worked and why certain things didn't work, literally are the reasons why I do things in my day to day that I do. Like it is. Yeah. 100% the success of this that is the reason why my profession exists. Okay, Nick, 
We are, well, we already have, Nick, this week. Well, it's secret. We can't tell anybody, but we have already recorded our Patreon-only podcast, we which have. releases releases on the off week. Um, if you want to check that out, you can go to tywasap.com to go listen to the year we started another podcast. We've recently, I mean, we've gone all kinds of off the rails. I actually really enjoyed this week, Nick. We recorded for dang near an entire hour. I, <laughs> I know I felt I, bad I because it, I felt I like I simmered it down. I reduced it down. I felt bad because I didn't have anything that I thought was going to be a good topic for this week's po- uh, podcast, ex- except for the uh, for the email conversation. And then I, I went off the rails uh, as I do on our Patreon. <laughs> so. But like this was this was a good one. It was I had a good laugh at us talking about all kinds of. There, I think the title of it that I gave it was talking about uh, uh, the Kansas City Chief running back Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, there's there's some, there's some good stuff in there. I so, thought that was the best uh, running back for the Chiefs <laughs> ever had. You did uh, a good job. Yeah, that's right. You can also follow us at Tywasap on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and not but not Snapchat. And you can find that including the Patreon stuff, and bo- most importantly, the Patreon stuff at Tywasap.com. <laughs> Oh my I'm shameless. Gosh. I don't care. Shameless, shameless. All right, Nick. Uh, thank you so much for body with me, sir. Thank you, Jeff. You are welcome. This has been the year we started the podcast. Thank you all for listening.